Next topic is RevOps, revenue operations. How many of you have RevOps team today uh, in your company? Can you again raise the hand? One third, maybe 50%. So when we launched Vainu Global, so it's Vainu was launched 20, 2014, and we've been having a Nordic, Nordic databases up until this year, and also Dutch uh, database. And uh, then we decided that we also want to have a global global product, so we started building it already a few years ago. I've been a product manager for that. And then we, when we released it in September, uh, the first customers that we started to see, almost all of them, they had a title called RevOps, head of RevOps or uh, VP of RevOps. And uh, then obviously what we did, we decided to interview lots of them so that we understand the buyer persona and all that. So in the past 60 days, I've been lucky to conduct more than 50 interviews with RevOps people. And uh, I think there's a couple of interesting things happening, and this applies to all SaaS companies. Of course, if you decide to build a function like RevOps, but especially if you, if you build go-to-market technology, I think RevOps will be the new buying center you're selling to. Awesome slide. Uh, <clears throat> got some credit from Kave regarding the design, uh, so don't focus on that. Very bad. <laughs> we haven't raised lots of money, so we're bootstrapped, and, and uh, you can see it in the slide. But I think this is my take on the history of ops. So first, you didn't have anything. You just have some people selling, maybe a few CS people, somebody doing marketing, and maybe a finance guy. But then I think sales ops is the first one you launch. Typically, it's the salesperson who is really good at using CRM. At some point, somebody decides that, hey, uh, Jim is so great updating the CRM. He needs to have that role so that he's keeping everybody accountable. And then you have sales ops. Uh, <clears throat> I think at the same time, the one who's good with Excel, let's say he's Ludwig. Uh, <laughs> Ludwig could be the one that he starts doing lots of finance ops, right? And then, then you suddenly have finance ops or whatever the name is. Then at some point you realize that you actually do already marketing ops. So maybe you have a growth marketeer was analyzing conversions and maybe using tools like Supermetrics and they're analyzing how things are going and um, they built stuff themselves. And then you have marketing ops. My experience is that CS is the last one. And then you have, um, for example, someone in CS, typically they look at sales and they're like, hey, why is sales and new business having so many great insights all the time? We need analytics as well. And then it's typically a person with strong results in CS was very systematic, and then that person gets promoted to be CS ops. And I think many companies are actually today here. And uh, I just interviewed um, uh, Tony, uh, who's from Denmark, CEO of Croblox. I think he had a term for this setup, and it's siloed ops or silo ops. So you have all the ops, but they're not one one team. So sales ops is helping new business, and and Ludwig is helping finance, and and then um, CS ops is helping CS, and they're all a little bit siloed. But I think there will be a RevOps team where they combine all these ops people under one team. And then they will, of course, focus on new business, CS, marketing, and finance. And it seems that when it comes to responsibilities, they, have, they focus on processes and playbooks, obviously. So go-to-market processes and playbooks, and not only go-to-market, but the whole customer journey. Then they play a super important role deciding what technology and tools are in use. They often are also the main users 
for those technologies, especially when it comes to go-to-market technologies. And that's already a big um, thing for many of us if we sell that type of tools and technologies. They also work a lot with data. Lots with data. And I think when I've been interviewing VP RevOps people, there are some that have a sales background. So some individuals are the ones that used to be head of sales ops, then they get promoted to be head of RevOps. But there's also lots of people with very different background. Some people, they, they join from consulting companies. Maybe they've been at McKinsey and, and Bain and these places. Some of them have a very strong data background. And um, I'm not saying that there's a better, better background to have or profile, but I've seen lots of very successful ones uh, with quite um, different backgrounds. So it's not always that you're first account executive and then sales ops and then rev ops. They also focus on metrics and integrations. Sometimes they, maybe 10% of these individuals, they report to CFO, which might be a little bit surprising. I think most often they report to chief revenue officer and uh, sometimes directly to uh, CEO. The US companies uh, spoke with Quotapath. Um, there are only 80 people at the moment, but they have four people in RevOps. So that's 6% of the whole company doing RevOps. And I mean, it's a great company and I think they're building it in, in the right way. The CEO is, I think, second time, third timer uh, SaaS CEO. So most likely knows how to do it. And they at least invest in RevOps a lot. But I think what this means that up until this point, uh, certain tools, it could be like vinyl, maybe we have been selling it to sales and new business, plan hats. I think you speak with lots of CS directors, then HubSpot and, and maybe Supermetrics. You speak with marketing, sure this, Selling shots be you deal with CFOs. That's what happened when you spoke with Kave. Kave said that hey, for the for the person from Shotspeed that you need to speak with our CFO. So this is maybe the reality still. But I think what will happen is that many of these products will actually end up doing business with RevOps. Because you can't buy siloed software when you have RevOps. It has to integrate. And this team is responsible for those metrics and the whole sort of revenue engine. So you, you end up speaking with RevOps. I think for many of us, it's a big change because especially if they have background in consulting and data and tech, then they often, they're actually very experienced buyers. They're advanced users. I really enjoy selling to this team because they, for example, know how to use an API. They know how to set up an integration themselves. It's completely different compared to, let's say, a junior sales team lead. They're not that tech savvy, but these buyers are. So I think it's, if you have a strong product, good integration capabilities, you enjoy doing business with them, but I think that's the um, reality for many of us. And this was the intro. So let's discuss RevOps a little bit, if how to build RevOps team and also what it means for us as, uh, as um, SaaS vendors and if it's a new buying, buying center. Yeah. So I have a, I have a, um, uh, just a question. So you said that 10% of the RevOps people you talk to or what you see reports to the CFO. Mm -hmm. And then did you say that 90% report to the CRO or, or what do they report? No, I would say 10% CFO, then yeah, maybe 70% chief revenue officer and then the rest um, directly to CEO. Hmm. So, but it, it and they're very senior, like sales ops often is former team lead or AE, 
But then RevOps, you might have somebody who has been doing consulting for 15 years in one of the best consulting agencies, and then they join B2B SaaS and they're head of RevOps. So I think it's a very senior profile. Maybe that also explains why they report to top Yeah, yeah. And, and, and do you... Um... Uh, because we see uh, we see that when we're selling our product, we definitely end up with uh, RevOps people. But do they have? Can they make decisions, or is it more like an, you know, they do the analysis of picking different vendors, understanding the tech stack, and making recommendations? Like who's making decisions? Yeah, so far, at least based on experience with Vino Global, they're good at making decisions. So they they do buy, they make decisions. Uh, do they need to get budget from someone? Yes, uh, I think they they are in. Uh, they speak with CFO. They speak with chief revenue officer. Uh, one thing that they have been mentioning a lot is that since they know the metrics in and out, typically they share the same metrics as the company management team. So they don't have like RevOps specific mm -hmm. metrics. They have the same metrics the mm -hmm. top management team is looking at. And as a as a vendor, you need to build a case that hey, this is the metric will improve for you. Let's say selling plan hats, I guess it comes down to net revenue retention at the mm. end of the day. And you need to build that connection that if you invest in plan hat, we will drive net revenue retention up. Yeah. And mm. so you need to be very like return on investment mm. or metric focused, mm. in my opinion. Mm. These companies that you've spoken to, kind of at what stage is RevOps really critical? Like when can you not live without it? And when is it kind of start exploring time? Yeah, I've been actually asking that question, like, what's the right time to have the first RevOps person? Mm -hmm. I think the most common answer is that when you're roughly 50 people, mm -hmm. obviously, I, 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 don't, I don't think you can say that it's always 50, but sure. you typically have few people in sales, you have few people in CS. Um, it's the moment, like, first, you need to have product market fit. Then second step is that it, when you start seeing that, hey, we're about to have go-to-market fit, which is different mm -hmm. from product market fit, that you have a scalable way of getting customers and retaining them. I think that's the moment when you can have a team that is optimizing that, uh, that flow. Mm -hmm. So it might be 50 employees for some companies mm -hmm. later, for some companies mm -hmm. even earlier. And most people have then taken kind of existing employees and transferred them into a RevOps role versus kind of bringing in someone. Yeah, definitely it, more external. external hires than compared to sales ops. Because I yeah. think sales ops, the first sales ops is always a successful AE or yeah. team lead or somebody who's good at using CRM and, and likes that stuff a lot, mm. sales ops. But yeah. I think RevOps, they actually, these companies at least, they've been looking outside quite a bit. Okay, cool. And Maxine, at your your portfolio companies, do you guys, uh, do you see a lot of RevOps people? No, not yet. Yeah. I mean, I think it's um, definitely not in Europe. Um, I think it's, we're seeing it in the US, but not in Europe as much. We're seeing, like, obviously everyone has a chief revenue officer now, but I think the RevOps team, they're still kind of, they're still siloed. Mm -hmm. um, and then they might work as RevOps in the, um, in reality, but it's not defined. So I think it's super interesting to see that it's like, if you can do it much earlier and kind of set the stage, you're going to get so much more out of it. Yeah. 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 I think what are some of the kind of the, the mistakes and the pitfalls that you've picked up on from the interviews? The person needs to be super strong, and uh, and the reason is that none of these none of these departments are reporting to them. Like if you're head of RevOps or just one person in RevOps, these individuals you work with they're not reporting to you. So the question is, how can you make an impact, even though they're not directly reporting to you? And uh, that also means that the person needs to know business in and out. 
also needs to earn the credibility in the eyes of these individuals. We have lots of sales ops and rev ops people out there that people don't take seriously. It's like, ah, oh, this person is just the one who tells me to update my HubSpot at the end of the day. It's like no business value. And, and, and it, but I think if, if you can showcase that, hey, I'm building a, building a revenue engine. Mm-hmm. And if you follow the playbook, if you follow the methodology, if you implement the tools that we're doing, we will make you more successful. So I think um, the pitfall is that are you capable of making an impact without having direct reports? Mm-hmm.